Sunday. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. to the Ambassador Podcast, a resource created by a community of Christians seeking to represent God to a watching world in humility, unity, and boldness. Our goal is to educate, be educated, encourage, be encouraged, challenge, and be challenged as we pursue a heavenward perspective of God's heart for racial equity and reconciliation rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to The Ambassador. The Ambassador is a biblically informed Christian coalition that engages issues of religion, race, and culture in ways that pursue reconciliation. I am your host, Jared Cole, and I am joined today by my co-host, Miss Persia Gambles. Bonjour. And Miss Tracy Spears. Hi. Yeah, how y'all doing? Man, I'm I'm all right. Why are you yeah. so sad right now? <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys would see your face. Because it's 2020. Like, yeah, Ain't we all sad? Like, where so, I, I, I saw a meme. Yeah, right. I saw a meme yeah. where it was like, isn't it weird we live in a time where if you really had someone like by your, like if you're talking to somebody, just you and them, and you seriously ask them like, how you doing? They'll just bust out into tears. Because right. that's how 2020 has been. That's how it's gone. That's 2020 for everybody. Oh, like if you really were like, hey, Jerry, how you doing? You'd be like, I'm fine. That's literally what I thought you were about to do right now. I'm I'm fine. I'm good. I'll be good. January come rolling around. Legitimately. Right. Uh, Yo, do you speak any languages, Persia? Hit me with Uh, the bonjour. Give us something. I took French in high school (gasps) and college. Hey, what else you know? Come on. Not too much else. Comment, Everyone says something. Comment Oh. Je m'appelle Persia. Oh. Okay. Oh, I want to add in something. I know a little Creole. My papa le Creole to piti. Hey. I don't know. Y'all still showing off. Right? What else you got, Tracy? Mirelle Tracy. Hey, some of y'all that know Creole, y'all got to check that. I don't know the Creole version of French. I'm here for it. Yeah, that's what's up. Uh, anyway, so this is the first time tuning into the ambassador. Um, we are not foreign language speakers. We're not. Uh, mm-hmm. What you can expect from us, though, is biblically informed, honest dialogue and open conversation. Uh, what we tend to do is aim to create a space where tough conversations are the norm and where we can come together in humility, unity, and boldness, y'all. Welcome to episode 10. And for today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, therapy. For black and brown folks, so the question—I don't know if, if that was—if that was uh, uh, in the script, Tracy, to ask Frederick, why are you so sad? That was providential. That question fits. <laughs> wow. For today, so this week we're going to be talking about therapy for black folks, black mm-hmm. and brown folks. Man, this episode would be a a really good one, I think, for many reasons. Uh, and so if, if you're listening, and even though the title is specific to a certain demographic, anytime you discuss overarching themes like unity and reconciliation or even therapy, uh, the takeaways in the application can be so beneficial in more ways than one. 
So if you're thinking this episode won't pertain to you, man, think again, give it a listen, and don't skip past it. And so with that said, Persian Tracy, what, why are we doing this episode, and why do you think this episode is important? Um, for me, uh, anyone that has has talked to me at length about like my story and mm-hmm. my upbringing and mm-hmm. and I mean just adulthood. Um, they'll eventually hear that I'm a huge advocate for therapy and counseling mm-hmm. because it's something that God has used, I mean, in tons of ways, but but most tangibly with, like, things that happened in my childhood pertaining to, like, sexual abuse and mm-hmm. things like that. And so um, it wasn't a, a one-stop shop. It wasn't a fix-all, you know. Um, it didn't completely, like, heal me, but it was something God did to 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 bring healing in mm-hmm. a really needed and needed and necessary way, in a way that a lot of black people, um, a lot of minorities in general just don't get. Mm-hmm. And, and so that makes me just that much more of yep. a proponent mm-hmm. for it. That's good. Yeah. I think even to add to that, specifically as I think of black culture, mm-hmm. one of the lines I feel like I've heard often in, in my own mm-hmm. like household, but also myself saying it's like it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And yes. that mm-hmm. that comes with like yep. a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when you say it is what it is, that, that can mean a multitude of things, yep. in particular when it comes to trauma. And mm-hmm. so wow. I think exactly what Persia said, it's it is and it has been, I think, in a the black community in often and just in life in general where um, people have learned to minimize uh, trauma. Um, One, because they just have become used to it and numb to it. But then two, I think it it might also be a lack of vision for um, the ways that Jesus not only saves us, but actually Mm -hmm. is making us whole. And uh, I think he he can use that in multiple ways. Who are Mm -hmm. we to limit the God of the universe? You know, That's so good. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Um, But I think even with that, what you're saying, Persia, like just being an advocate for therapy, you know, mm-hmm. that's so unnatural, right? And mm-hmm. countercultural to uh, human experience, you know, but, mm-hmm. but, but black experience in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's because therapy is often seen as a taboo topic. Yeah. Uh, it's something that most people don't want to talk about, right? We don't want to talk about our pain. We don't want to talk about those experiences. Um, man, but pain and the experiences, uh, that's caused by therapy is, is never easy to talk about. But in the black community and minority communities, I think this reality is even multiplied yeah. to some extent. Yeah. Um, so many of the negative interpersonal experiences that black people go through are shared even across black people from different cultures, right? Mm-hmm. People from the West Coast share similar experiences with people from the East Coast. People from mm-hmm. the East Coast share similar experiences with uh, black people in the South and the Midwest and the North and, and, and vice versa, mm-hmm. right? Uh, even across economic strata, right? Some of the experiences that are uh, known to black and brown people in uh, in the middle class, you know, are, are, are the same experiences that people in, in, in lower class experience as well. And so the burdens that's placed on black and brown people to simply strive, improve, and show that we belong, that we're not dangerous, and you know that we're human. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. we're we're people too. Is it's 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 heavy. So many of us are carrying around experiences and things that have happened to us, or those we know, and we haven't been able to unpack the impact of these things uh, that that they've had on us. And so we walk around with it bottled up in anger and bitterness and frustration, without the ability to properly deal with it. And so I want to talk a little bit about dealing with trauma, 
right? Outside of mental health friendly spaces, which is most spaces, if we're honest, it's really difficult for people to express the events and the experiences that have negatively, negatively shaped them as trauma. We tend to want to create all these different words for it and call it something else, but trauma always tends to escape us because we want to reserve it for uh, things that are you know, worse in life. Mm-hmm. And because of that, when we think of trauma, we tend to think of the military and things that soldiers may experience that cause PTSD, or we may think of a mother who has just given birth and is now suffering from effects of postpartum depression. Right? These things can be and are indeed rightly labeled as trauma, but don't be mistaken. So are the things that you've experienced, whether heard or seen or done to you that may not have affected you until later on in life. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, how we describe trauma in the latter, uh, this is how a lot of trauma tends to happen, more specifically racial trauma happens. And so to harp on this idea of racial trauma, typically there are two major events in the self-awareness of black and brown people in America. There's event number one, when we come to the realization that we look differently than most people around us. And the second realization is when we come to the realization that this is a problem, right? So for me, for example, uh, uh, I was in kindergarten. I was remember, I remember it was kindergarten, the summer of kindergarten, going into first grade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was with my friends. We were having a lot of fun. We were playing. We are at this park, and we tend to play football in this park. Uh, and we were just having a good time. Uh, one of my friends who I played with all the time, he had a friend that came over this particular day, and we were out at the park, and we were playing around, and we were playing football. I looked over, I noticed his friend was never coming out to play with us, right? And so we had gotten done playing for a little while. We were going to start up again. I went over to talk to him, and I just straight up asked him, I said, hey, are you, are you going to come in and, and play with us? You know, and he looked at me, and he said, ah, no, I, I can't. My dad said I can't play with little black kids. Uh and so in that moment, you know, I was, what, five or six years old. I was in kindergarten going into, into first grade. Uh, and, and, you know, I wasn't sitting there thinking at this time, you know, oh, there's, you know, there's, there's 400 years plus of, of, of racial tension in America, you know, or I've seen so-and-so experience this and that, and this is on the news, and this is what I'm understanding. Like, like no, I, I didn't even know anything about that. But what I did know was that personal experience right then or right there at such a young age that number one, yeah, I definitely look different than a lot of the people around me. And number two, that actually posed an issue, right? That was a problem, right? And so these things tend to happen at a younger age. For sure, the the first one, the realization of just looking different, you know, your skin color stands out. And then the second one, that can happen at a young age too. It happened for me, but I mean, it, it, it can happen even later on in life too. What about you guys? Well, uh, I, I immediately think about, um, in Lubbock, there, there's a, there's a neighborhood or just like a district that me, my mom, and my brother grew up in. Um, and I didn't think much of it until I was probably in middle school or high school, but it started to, to really become apparent to me that's where we lived. That's where my grandmother lived. That's where my aunt lived. And then, and like my cousins and stuff like that. But then if we wanted to go to a good school or if we wanted to go to a nicer restaurant, 
or like when, um, whenever I was like in like mob basketball when I was a kid, like all the games were like way across town. All those things that I just listed were like way across town. And now, you know, post college, post learning what redlining is, post learning what gentrification mm-hmm. is, post learning what white flight is, all of those things happen in that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so if you're ever in Lubbock, should you find yourself there? First of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, um, <laughs> second of all, you can pass a certain interstate and cross over into for this pretty mid-sized town, um, like pretty good sized. Um, you cross over into what is probably seventy to ninety percent of the black and Hispanic population. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that's literally because that's just where they, they are. But yeah, then historically, yeah. it's because that's where Lubbock first started. And then in the 50s and 60s, when more and more black people start to move into Lubbock. Yeah, majority culture. Yes, literally like yeah. that. That was where they yeah. all lived. And then they moved out west, yeah. you know, out north. And, you know, and so there are things like that that like institutionally I feel now because, like, of my education and things like that. Um, and then also I remember being told in preschool by this little kid. I don't remember his name. Mm. Um, he said, you're all right for a black girl. Mm. And I was thinking, mm. now I'm looking back, I'm mm. like, you were, like, four. Wow. You know, like, mm. like wow. how how do you have, how like, like, yeah. like why is that something you think yep. Yep. as a four-year-old, you mm. know? Um, and I'd hate to... I'd hate to know what he felt like if I wasn't all right mm-hmm. for a black girl, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Mm. Dang. I think you, one of the things that um, you're standing on me right now, Jared, is when you were just breaking down, like, now, regardless of where you come from as a black person, there's some things that are, like, overwhelmingly paralleled to each other. So all of us come from Midwest, mm. the West Coast, mm. South. Um, and I feel like I resonate with so many of those things and those stories that you guys shared, although it was in a different um, place. And so I think, man, there's so many things that I feel like I can remember as like little, uh, is it called underhand, like compliments or? Yeah. Yeah. Underhanded. Underhanded. Underhanded yeah. Compliment. yeah. Compliments where it's like, what? <laughs> I guess I'll take it. And especially being young, it's like, I don't yep. even know how to process yeah. that. Yep. And so one of the common ones that I feel like I would get is like, oh man, yeah. Especially in when I switched schools in mm-hmm. elementary um, and I was placed into gate gifted and talented, yeah. um, the teacher second guessing if I should actually be in that yeah. class. Huh. And so in that, that already builds in you, um, especially being different from those around you, it's like yeah. low self-esteem. Like how do, mm-hmm. how do I, how should I view myself? I had already known that I'm going to have to work harder. And so mm-hmm. I think, yeah, there's multiple underhanded comments that I feel like I could yeah. speak about at a young age mm-hmm. and then, you know, had to live through even now. Yeah. I think that's huge, Tracy. Like I think in the school systems, um, my heart breaks for that so much, yeah. right? Because, uh, Black and brown people, minorities in general, are less likely to be uh, considered for, you know, those those type of classes, those kind of gate classes. Yeah. Right. And they're they're either overlooked or they get in there and then they don't perform as well. But nobody assesses whether that performance that that you know mm-hmm. lack of performance is is due to, you know, them being. 
uh, minority and 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 just in general, or yeah. if it's due to being in a new environment, mm-hmm. due to you know perceiving differences, yeah. due to uh, not having in common with the teacher, right? The teacher doesn't look like me; she's not going to understand or get this X Y Z or whatever. Like, there's so many different things that that go into that, uh, and it's not only in in those classes, but then it's also in just specific treatment of these kids. Mm-hmm. They are. Um, uh, expelled at higher rates, mm-hmm. that are they're disciplined at higher rates and mm-hmm. disciplined more, more harshly, harshly. Yeah. you know? And so those things are, are they have to be taken into account. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we don't really do that. But I do know a lot of people that have boots on the ground right now who are actually trying to make an impact in that, especially here in, in Ames. And so like, man, my heart goes out to that. I pray about that. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I, I just hope there's a, a real national change in kind of what that looks like. Yeah. So back on track, uh, these are just some of our experiences, right? And so those of you listening, you may have your own experiences. They may be related to race. They may not be related uh, to race. But the question I want to toss up now is kind of, man, where do we get our therapy? And I put quotations around this term, therapy, right? <laughs> because uh, most of us don't go get professional help, mm-hmm. right? We we tend to do something else. Uh, because therapy is often seen as taboo to actually or because it seems taboo to actually think back on these experiences that we've had uh, and think through them properly, our initial response is not to really actually pursue help and get therapy, but it's to Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-medicate, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a type of therapy in and of itself, Mm -hmm. which is why I put quotes around it. In some instances, this can look like an overwhelming desire for achievement or fame. It can be masked in manipulating our outward appearance in so many other things. And so I just want to ask this man, uh, when it comes to getting our therapy with the quotations around it, what are some ways that this has been true for you guys? Mm-hmm. Um, I think of, I think of two things. One, uh, historically I've just gone to therapy, mm-hmm. but also in, well, you're in, an advocate, so you don't, you don't really, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's like your credibility is shot. Yeah. But, um, but I, I legitimately think, um, in a, in a good light, um, and this may come as like a surprise or, or be, you know, unconventional or whatever, but like, I think honestly getting to work and do life alongside, um, Tracy and Joanna, if you remember her on another on another episode. Shout out um, to Joanna. Yeah, shout out to Joanna. Yeah, she gonna love that. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh my god. <laughs> but but I I think mo- moving from Texas here to Ames and and meeting them, becoming friends with them, and then becoming two of my closest friends, like it's been one of the ways that God's met me because mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. coming from the church I came from, there there, there weren't any other people that looked like me and were in ministry Mm -hmm. um, that really understood what it meant to pursue theological education or, you know, to Mm want to find someone to do my hair and and just that level of empathy. It's something Mm -hmm. God has and does continue to use in huge, Mm -hmm. huge ways. Like, Mm -hmm. man, Tracy, like you, Mm -hmm. you are just Mm-hmm. A gift to me, mm-hmm. like genuinely, mm-hmm. and and something that helps keep me sane, mm-hmm. <laughs> genuinely, and and um, though like our our giftings are different, our stories are different, mm-hmm. um, but we share so much that like mm-hmm. I just know the Holy Spirit speaks to me through, and so thank you. Mm-hmm. Dang, she'll make me cry hey, on here. Shout out, Tracy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, come on, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't time yeah. for that yet. Yeah, yeah. 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 ye
time. Hey, it's time. It's time. Hey, time. Oh, man. <laughs> Why you got to do it like that? Oh, man. Ah. Dang. Well, to add. <laughs> <laughs> man, yeah, I think... Obviously, it is uh, clear to me. One of the things that um, when Persia first came on to the staff here was like, man, that's the first time uh, I think we both ever really had like mm-hmm. another chocolate chip mm-hmm. in the room. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, in all of what uh, Persia said, God has been so kind in the ways that he has brought um, black and brown um, brothers and sisters into my life, such mm-hmm. as Jared, Persia, mm-hmm. Joanna, Ryan Spencer, mm-hmm. um, who first and foremost love Jesus. And in loving Jesus out of the outflow of that, they, they point me to Christ. And so um, that's been a, a space where uh, overwhelmingly um, cannot thank the Lord enough. And mm-hmm. um, just having a room where I, I continuously learn what it looks like to be weak in front of other people mm-hmm. because in that they remind me where strength is found and that's yeah. in, in Jesus. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, so let's kick the ball down a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the stigma behind um, Jesus and therapy. And I think Pers, you, you're going to have a lot to say about this. I do. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited to kind of hear uh, what you have to say. I think that in the church, uh, therapy and counseling are often seen as just as or maybe even more taboo than it is in the secular culture. Right? Yes. I think we can we can all agree on that. And uh, therapy, even entering into the church as a way to be helpful, is, is a rather new phenomenon, right? It isn't, isn't even accepted in uh, many circles. Uh, but I do want to say, man, like we've actually opened up a counseling center here Mm -hmm. at our church, you know, which I give a round of applause to because we have phenomenal Mm -hmm. leaders and pastors who actually desire Mm -hmm. that and want to care holistically about uh, the congregation here. Uh, So that's really, really dope. But in a lot of places, that's simply not the case, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And so even so, like most Christians are reluctant to go to therapy still and, and often think that it is at odds with scripture, Mm-hmm. So how have you guys, and I'm tossing up to you first, Persia, how have you mm-hmm. navigated this arena? Mm-hmm. And what would you say to Christians in general who would be struggling with this? Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I just got to thank my mom. She was the mm-hmm. person that really encouraged, like the first person that ever encouraged me to to go to therapy, which is just like she doesn't know like how much that mm-hmm. has just helped shape who I am. Um and, and 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 even that it destigmatized it in my mind because I was like I know my mom's like not crazy and she's like done this and does this you know mm-hmm. and so um, that was part of it but then also I think the stigma is because so many people. Um, either don't want to admit that they're struggling, mm-hmm. um, just part of the human condition. We're prideful, yeah. um, but then also. Yeah. As Christians, you can kind of have this false bolstering of confidence saying like, well, I know that I'm not to be anxious or I'm not mm-hmm. to, you know, like my ultimate hope is found in Jesus. And it's like, God, that's God. true. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That, like that's true. Yeah. But you have psychological roadblocks that will prevent you from actually living that out because you're unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And also God has given us doctors for the sick. Mm -hmm. He's given us police to protect us. Sometimes Mm -hmm. he's given us Mm -hmm. preachers to preach truth to us. He's Mm -hmm. given us these people that, that make being human not as hard. Mm -hmm. 
therapists, counselors, psychiatrists, and psychologists are great examples of those. Yeah. Even if they treat the things that we can't see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I really am just a, a, a huge proponent. Mm-hmm. Like, I think everyone should go to counseling. Wow. Everyone. Wow. Because even if you don't have, like, you know, some major traumatic event in your mm-hmm. past, you still have things in your mind that you don't know how to process, that you don't know how to talk about, mm-hmm. that if someone heard you talk about these things would literally, like, pinpoint, hey, like, why'd you skate over that that way? Mm-hmm. You know, why Why is this, why is this a, a touchy subject for you? Mm-hmm. And that becomes, like, a, another realm of, like, how you empathize with people around you, how you process your own emotions, how you heal, how you like legitimately mm-hmm. exist mm-hmm. better, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not a quick fix. It takes patience. It takes vulnerability. It takes like mm-hmm. embracing the hard. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you experientially that mm-hmm. it's worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm. Yeah. I don't think there's, any, that? Don't think there's anything to add to that. To I mean, I think Persia covered it all. You better get on that couch. Go. <laughs> grab some tissues. Oh, man. That's yeah, good. Yeah, like I feel like I gotta go. I gotta go sign up. I gotta go sign up right now. Yo, somebody, hey. I ain't gonna say his name. Hey, yo, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, so and so. I'm gonna hit him up right now. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I just want to say, like, I've never been, you know, to professional therapy before, never been to a counselor before. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like counseling based programs mm-hmm. are phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? There was, there's another one of those things that we started up here at our church too called Celebrate Recovery. Mm-hmm. And I remember I went to Celebrate Recovery one time to, to, to check it out. It was fairly new here. Um, and I was talking to someone who was, who was wanting to seek out something like that. And I had known nothing about it. So like, I got to go check it out before I refer somebody else to mm-hmm. come here. Right. And so I go to it my first time being in something like that. And I left feeling the exact same way mm-hmm. that you're feeling mm-hmm. from going to like true counseling mm-hmm. and therapy is, yeah. is, is your, I think everybody should do it. Mm-hmm. If you can't, walk into that door and schedule an appointment, like you for sure got to go try yeah. one of these programs, mm-hmm. right? And, and I would almost even say it's a precursor to what you to what you could be getting and doing in your own personal mm-hmm. uh, uh, time, mm-hmm. right? Because coming into a space like that, it's it's so good. When, when, when you're first starting to realize and struggle with the trauma in your life and, and it's starting to weigh heavy on you, mm-hmm. the first thought is, I'm the only one <laughs> struggling with this, right? Or if I go get help, someone's going to think something of me. Or mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff because nobody needs help for this. Mm-hmm. But something like a counseling-based program like Celebrate Recovery, mm-hmm. you come to something like that, and, and there's such a community there mm-hmm. of people around you. There's such a community there of people with authenticity, of people who aren't trying to hide or shy away from uh, what they've gone through, what's mm-hmm. happened to them, what they're struggling with, what they're addicted to. And it's just such a dope space to just come to and be like, well, number one, I'm not alone. Number two, um, man, this I could really benefit from this. Mm-hmm. And number three, like this could lead me to actually go mm-hmm. get real help, mm-hmm. right? I think it's such a dope thing. Mm-hmm. So um, when I think scripture-wise... Uh, Isaiah is my favorite book in the Old Testament. Uh, I have a few favorite books in the Old Testament. Isaiah is definitely up there. Um, 
I don't even know if I've shared this on the podcast before, hmm. but <laughs> oh, what know, you gonna do? Yo, so I got so I got three baby girls. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Uh, we're expecting our fourth kid here in January. It's going to be a baby boy. Um, and we're going to name him Isaiah. And the reason behind that is really because of the book of Isaiah, um, namely Isaiah in the, in the account when, you know, Isaiah is before the throne of God and he, you know, sees God and he has that experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and Isaiah in the, in the Hebrew means, God is salvation, right? And just that image in my mind just sticks. Mm -hmm. And man, I, I I desire that for myself. I desire that for my son. Um, but anyway, getting off that, getting emotional. Isaiah 9, 6, um, in particular is where I want to go with this mm -hmm. next question. In this passage, Isaiah is prophesying the coming of Jesus. And he says he will be wonderful counselor, mm -hmm. mighty mm -hmm. God, mm -hmm. eternal father, Prince of Peace. Mm -hmm. I love, like, those are all phenomenal titles for the God that we get to call Father. But Wonderful Counselor is the first one that's listed there. And I think that carries some kind of weight to it. So when you think about God as Comforter or mm -hmm. Wonderful Counselor, mm -hmm. what initially comes to mind as we wrap this up? Mm -hmm. Um. My favorite book. No, I'm joking. But um, <laughs> but but also, um, you speaking on Isaiah took me to um, Isaiah 30, mm -hmm. and um, in in some of my darkest moments of my life, like mm -hmm. deepest seasons of of suffering, mm -hmm. um, Isaiah 30 is probably something that that God just continues to bring me back to. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I'm I'm just gonna read parts of it, not all of it, but mm -hmm. um, verse 18. Um, it says, therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, uh -huh. and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Mm -hmm. Blessed are those who wait for him. And then you skip down to, uh, like, uh, verse 19b slash 20, and it says, um, he will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, Yet your teacher will hide himself no more, but your eyes shall see your teacher and your and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Mm -hmm. um, and then further down from that, um, in verse 26, at the very end, it says, in the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow, um, God uses so many things in my life to, to really like reaffirm and, and, and kind of like cement that in my heart because to me, counseling is his mercy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something I deserve. It's not something I can earn, mm -hmm. but it's something that is there to bring me near to him. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, or at least that's what's God, what God has used, um, in that. And so I think of genuinely just that, that, that text and, and how mm -hmm. God's used it in my life. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, I think um, there's a multitude of things that I think of um, as we think of mighty counselor and um, yeah, wonderful counselor, mighty God and eternal father. Um, but I think kind of going back to what I said in the beginning, it's, it's that being reminded that Jesus not only saved us, but is also making us whole. Yep. And mm -hmm. obviously that won't come until we're eventually with him, but through the process, he's doing that with us. But 
um, one one picture that reminds me that um, one that Jesus um, entered into our suffering, into our sewage, mm-hmm. into our brokenness, into our messiness, in order to save us, and that He understands and empathize with us is um, looking at John eleven, um, where Jesus wept, mm-hmm. and so being reminded that. Um, our God is all powerful, almighty, all knowing, and yet still so personal that he enters into our brokenness that he himself, while he could have easily like brought Lazarus back to life and would have called it, he actually like wept alongside them. Um, and so, yeah, that's just choking me up right now that, that a God like that would, would see Mm. us, know us and love us. And so much so go to the cross for us. Wow. True. That's so good. Yeah. And that's the only way he could be able to be that man, yeah. wonderful counselor. Yeah. That's good, man. So good, man. God is so good. Uh, I think what some of our listeners need to hear, if it wasn't clear in this episode that all trauma and negative experiences for black and brown people are not due to experiences with racism. Uh, but what I am saying is that those experiences create deep and seated wounds that may not come to full effect or even come to effect at all until later on in life, which is similar not only to these racial experiences, but you know, a lot of trauma in general. So if you're listening to this and you sense that you're full of distrust or anxiety or bitterness or hopelessness or anger, any combination of these things, uh, I want to leave out with this. Know these two things. Number one, Jesus is a wonderful counselor. And two, he has created people gifted in walking alongside you in that. So run to your scripture, pray to our father and open your life to a professional counselor or someone that you trust. Yeah. So look, thank you guys for tuning in to the Ambassador Podcast. Persia and Tracy, once again, y'all have been amazing. I am looking forward to discussing more topics in the coming weeks. We hope for you listeners that this has been a helpful resource and we encourage you to visit our website at www.weareambassador.com where we will be uploading a consistent stream of resources for you to dive into. If you have any questions or concerns, sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive frequent updates and an opportunity to send in questions or pursue conversations with us. Thank you for listening and we'll be back soon. Take your behind to therapy. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Ambassador Podcast. If you would like to hear more episodes or get more information about the Ambassador, please check out our website at www.weareambassador.com.